0: As we continue on our teaching on the Lord's Prayer, or the Disciples' Prayer, I'd rather call it, starting in verse 1, I'll read the verse 4. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Let us pray. Father, we thank you like always, God, for your word. Ever enlightening, ever encouraging, ever strengthening, ever challenging, Father God. The depths of our heart, Lord God. You say so much in so little, Lord Jesus. You reveal so much in so little words. And we thank you, O God, and we ask that you breathe upon the text. Holy Spirit, come and anoint thine lips, Father God, and to speak the truth, Father God, that will encourage us and liberate us, Father God, from resentments and unforgiveness, Father God, in the snare and the trap of the evil one, Father, who abides and loves when we dislike, unforgive, and resent everybody else, Father God. But this is the devil's playground. So, Father, we pray that you come, liberate us, God, by grace and mercy we ask, we seek, and we knock, Father God, as we find our way of going back as a dog returns to his vomit. So easily we can get caught up in this game. Help us, God, once and for all, to live above judgment, resentment, and unforgiveness, Father. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, I guess you know what we're going to speak about today. Forgiven community. I mean, that's what we are. We're a forgiven community. Uh, And sometimes it can overwhelm us that we're really forgiven. Uh, uh, When we worship, I have a sense of how just awesome and incredible God is towards us. Uh, When I have fallen in my own heart with words or deeds or actions or desires and intentions, then I'm reminded of God's grace and as Patty was exhorting us, just overwhelmed that he really doesn't hold these things against us. And uh, these are personal epiphanies that at least I have, and I'm sure other Christians are having them too, because we go through all sorts of things throughout the day. We all know that forgiveness is basic to Christianity. Unbelievers understand that the Bible, specifically Christianity, speaks about forgiveness. And we come to this place in the disciples' prayer that's speaking about forgiveness. These two short lines about Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And we'll speak about that as we go along. Uh, I I find it hard. I ask a question, why do so many of us find it so hard to really forgive people in our life at times? Not all the time. I don't live in unforgiveness all the time, but we all struggle, don't we? Sometimes it's injustice and we, we hold on to it and You know, we don't get over it so easily. It's real. It's painful. It's painfully real. Unforgiveness in this world is painful, painful reality. Without forgiveness, there's really no peace. Let's let's be real. How peaceful can the conscience be when we're struggling with character assassinations and resentments and hatred and malice and slander and gossip? I mean... How nice of an evening can we possibly have? You know, we all know it's too real. I don't have to say I know it's only a few of us. We all, it's part of humanity. It's a real ugly part of humanity. And we're going to get into this a little because Jesus knows that. We have here Jesus giving us a prayer about forgiveness. The Bible says a lot about the believer and forgiveness. He he gives us a prayer a whole mindset, a whole way to approach God, a whole way to look at this and appeal to God about forgiving people. It's a whole prayer he teaches us. We'll speak about that as we go along. He also gave us a parable that teaches us about not just forgiving, he gives us the negative contrast about being unforgiven. about, in Matthew 18, about the unforgiving servant who was forgiven much from his master. And then he went and beat someone because he owed him a couple of denarii. We also have the disciples asking about forgiveness. How many times should we forgive? The disciple asks, and Jesus, Paul says, 70 times 7. If your brother repents, then you forgive. Jesus also teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount about not judging others. About dealing with the speck in our eye and not being so consumed. I mean, the log in our eye not being so consumed with the speck in other people's eyes. In the parable of the unforgiven servant, Jesus threatens eternal hell to those who don't forgive their brother from their heart. There are some Christian thinkers over the centuries that believe that this is a sin that leads to death. A forgiven person, not forgiving. It's like... It's it's an oxymoron. It really is. It doesn't fit. But before we go there, let's make this clear. We all can struggle with unforgiveness. It's so human. It's the first instinct. How about that? When we're hurt and we're wronged and when injustice has been done, it's the first instinct is to get mad. To hold a grudge. And unfortunately to run with it sometimes further than we want to go. But it's true. It's a very natural part of the sinful condition. From these texts and others, we can see that the unforgiveness is so real in this world. The, the, The denial, I want to call it. Not unforgiveness. The denial to extend mercy. The refusal. The deliberate refusal to extend mercy. And that there is just so many other ramifications that come with this kind of spirit. Uh, Torn families. Broken marriages. Bitterness and grudges and resentments. It it just, it it, it gnaws away from the inside out. It, It shapes people's personalities. I mean, that's how serious this is. It's so serious, Jesus says, pray daily against it. That's how normal it is to the human condition. And we pray this prayer, Our Father, what in heaven, hallowed be thy name that And we go through this in some kind of mechanical way, not taking the time to really consider the words that Jesus is teaching us about forgiveness. All of us have seen the pain, or even experienced the pain on one side or the other over the years of unforgiveness and the resentment. Anger and the bitterness and just the name calling and the slander and the malice and the sleeplessness and it's it gets ugly. It's a deep, deep pit, a muck and mire that we fall into at times and we can't get out. Of. And Jesus knows the deadly undertows that come with this. This unforgiving spirit. This deliberate denial of extending mercy. How it works stealthily in the heart as a silent disease, turning people into cynical, frustrated human beings. Unwilling to hear the other side of, of the story. Or worse, as I said, choosing deliberately not to extend mercy to others. As their sense of power in this, this sense of Lording it over someone that I I refuse to forgive. I feel like God for the day. This is the world Jesus Christ came into. The only reason there's any such thing as forgiveness is because God is a forgiving God. Do you know not one religious book, but the Bible teaches that God is a forgiving God who forgives completely? Not one, the Quran don't teach that. No one teaches, no religious book, but the Bible makes it clear that he throws our sins as far as the east is from the west, that he deliberately extends mercy to his enemies and says that nothing shall separate you now from me. Only the Bible reveals such a gracious, merciful God who sent his own son, to be a propitiation, to remove the wrath of God because of our debt to Him. Something needed to be paid. It's not forgiveness without justice. This is is justice being due. This This isn't justice denied. God extends mercy because of Christ. He took the justice of God. He took the wrath of God. He became the propitiation. We live in a totally fractured society. I mean, the world's a mess. Our interpersonal relationships are a mess. Families are a mess. Even part of John the Baptist's ministry was to return the hearts of the fathers back to the sons, and the sons back to the fathers. It's a fractured society. Sin divides. It will always divide. It will always separate. Secret sin separates the hearts of the fathers and the sons, of husbands and wives. It, it's there. And it it, 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 it distanced people emotionally from each other because there's sin. Forgiveness is one of the true hallmark virtues of God. Even unbelievers know that it's divine to what? Forgive. But here before us, we have this prayer, this mindset, I want to call it. It's more than just this little prayer. It's something that should own us. We don't own it. It's something that should consume us. Does a day go by where we're not grateful, as the exhortation went forth today, of God's incom- and His gift of mercy towards us, that we can't even comprehend it? To say, God, forgive me, is one thing. But to ask God to forgive me again is something else. And again. (laughs) and And again, and again, and again. Why? Why are you? does Jesus have to teach, warn, exhort his followers to be a forgiving, unjudging community? Everything we do with Christ and God is about forgiveness. When I even acknowledge God's reality, it's because I'm a forgiven sinner. If I praise him for a moment, if I thank him, if I ask him for something, it's only because of what The blood of Christ has done. Everything in our relationship with God is based on the forgiveness and mercy of God extended to us through His Son. Everything. But yet Jesus still has to teach. He has to warn. He has to exhort. Believers, specifically in this text, is believers forgiving one another and and being kind to one another and gentle to one another and considerate to one another. These are things that we do it to our neighbors, but yet we have a hard time in the Christian community. Why? Well, most likely because humans are prone to being resentful, judgmental, unforgiving, bitter, and worst of all, just plain mean-spirited. We really are. We're really prone to it. There's not one of us sitting here that having that somewhere in their life can reflect on just being mean-spirited. You know, almost being intoxicated with malice. Overwhelmed with our own bitterness. Just to come down off this hangover and say, man, who was that animal of a man? It was me. Humans have a way of holding on to hurts. Whether they're real or perceived. Holding on to them to the grave. Holding on to some sort of power over people. Feeling like If I'm resentful and unforgiving and I don't extend mercy, then maybe I didn't lose the battle of the relationship. If I keep the anger up, then maybe what they said really won't hurt me. Instead of just saying, you know, I'm really hurt, I'm hurt. I'd rather be angry. Hold on. So I don't have to feel the pain of just being hurt. Being wounded. Just sharing out of experience. Maybe that strikes a chord with us. I've experienced it. Sometimes it's easier to be angry as opposed to being hurt. If I remain angry and point the finger, then I won't have to look at the pain and, and say I'm a hurt person. Maybe it's a sign of weakness to some people. Children have suffered under this by parents. And there's an anger as opposed to just saying, the people who were supposed to love me the most caused me great pain in my life. Instead of just saying, my mother or my father really just weren't nice people. They were mean at home. They spoke derogatory words towards me. They never affirmed me. They never gently disciplined me and loved me and, and and shown affection to me. And people can get angry at that because the thought of not being loved by a parent is very, very hard. MacArthur said that a Christian is never more like God than when he's in the act of forgiving. And that was the sermon title tonight, being like God. Because it is the truth when you reflect on it. It really is true. That is when we're more like God than ever, we'll never get as close to being like God than when we really extend mercy. You just can't. The the extension of mercy heals people. It delivers people from bitterness and wrath, anger, clamor. The ability to really forgive To really forgive that so that we have peace in our heart is really a benefit that comes from being forgiven. When we're forgiven, all of a sudden as Christians, we can deal with the pain and the hurt that causes us to be angry and unforgiving of people because we've experienced the ultimate in forgiveness. We're cleansed. And we find a power, a new sense to look at life differently, a new perspective on life from God's vantage point, and we start to recognize that forgiveness is a beautiful thing. Extending mercy is kindness and goodness, and it's liberating, and it's, you see people in a different way. I walked into a gym once, and, uh, you know, you, when you're a gym rat like the way I am and some other guys, you know everybody in the club, that I walked into this gym one day, and there's a, you just feel a tension in, in the air, and there was a gentleman in the back nobody wanted to go near It was one big mean <laughs> ugly looking guy man and I remember this guy he was a real trouble he was real trouble in another gym and I wanted to walk out like everybody else was and I really heard God say in my heart I want you to go over to him and shake his hand and reluctantly Like Jonah, I went. (laughs) And I shook this guy's hand and I said, how you doing? God bless you. And and the biggest smile came on this guy's face. I saw a totally different human being. I saw that. I saw something transpire before me. It was a miracle. It was a resurrection. There was something in here. That's all it took. And the lessons I learned from that, because we don't see the way God sees, and we have to learn to see the way God sees. Otherwise, we'll be bitter, and we'll hold on to things that really are just hurting us. The ability to forgive, listen, it says, I understand, I grasp, I agree, I understand and accept fully the cross of Christ. I get it. When we extend mercy, it's like, I get this. I get this wonderful religion of Christianity. I really do. I'm forgiven. Let's go to our text. I'll just read the verse. And forgive our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. It's twofold. There is the cry, the plea, the supplication for forgiveness over known transgressions in one's life. This is not ultimate forgiveness. This is not salvation, though salvation could sound like this. A prayer of salvation could sound like this. This is somebody who's already in fellowship with God. This is a believer. This is the believer's prayer. It has nothing to do with an unbeliever. An unbeliever can never pray this prayer. It's only for the adopted children of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, putting on Christ, that can possibly say, forgive me of my sins. As we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And as I said, it's twofold. It has nothing to do with salvation. This is somebody who loves the Lord, somebody who understands the gospel, who understands that still we walk in human flesh, that this is what Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, you have nothing to do with me. You're already clean by the bath you took of your confession of faith in me, but on a daily maintenance, you're going to have to come to me quite often, more than you'll ever think. And ask me of mercy and grace. And again, I will wash your feet. And again, I will wash your feet. So when the prayer is, Lord, forgive us of our sins, it's that maintenance we go on through a daily basis. Of course, we're in communion with God, and we cannot help but to be conscious of our failures. Am I right? Can we worship God the way we worship God and not be conscious of where I still fail in interpersonal relationships, whether with my wife, the congregation, people at works, anywhere? Of course not. Can I be so callous as to think uh, that I'm, I'm above sinning, above being resentful, above, above being hurtful? Of course not. I believe the sins here are specific. Personal. I don't think it's forgive us our sins, all the different sins we might commit, the sins of the mind, the, of the flesh, or, or the materialism, or uh, a moral issue, or whatever. I think it's the sins of the heart towards people. That's just a personal thing. I think it's something very Forgive me my sins and the, the, the inner attitudes I have towards other Christians. We get that a little bit when we read First Corinthians about the Lord's Supper. About having our heart right with our brothers in Christ and our sisters in Christ. How important that is to God. But either way, it is a conscious acknowledgement of our daily need of the mercy of God in our life. To maintain the vertical. happens with this is that there is a natural gratitude that rises up, that just spills over into every horizontal relationship. I don't know if you notice, but you're a social creature. We are meant to be in fellowship. We're meant to be dependent on other human beings, especially in the Christian church. We're dependent on people. We're we, we are concerned with other people. God wants us to interact with everybody. And I'll get into a little more as an application later on, but that could be hard sometimes. Everybody's not nice. Some people bite more than others. Some people bark. Some people bite. Some people point fingers. Well, we're all in it together. This is the Christian church, a.k.a. hospital. <laughs> AKA psychiatric <laughs> We need help. We really do, man. We really, not medication. We need a savior. We need extended mercy. We really do. We really. Do. We really. Praise God. But it's the daily recognition that life can be hard with people, that there are many failures. And we bring this before the Lord. And he accepts us and he washes our feet. And it's in that process, it's the only answer for unforgiveness, resentment, anger, slander. It's the, there is no earthly answer for the ugliness of the human heart. There is no earthly answer. There is absolute no. I mean, this is so bad, I think we can agree that psychosomatic, people get sick. People really get sick and they, they, get, they have to go to hospital, not hospital, they have to go to on medication and, 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 and therapy and I have nothing wrong with that, I have nothing against that. But I believe a lot of it, just from being a minister over the years, it can be traced back with unforgiveness, hurts and pains from words, from parents and friends and close ones and just things never got over and, 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 and it corrupts from the inside out and, and it's very uh, damaging to the soul. It's damaging to, psychologically, emotionally, no question about it. Yeah. We need to keep our hearts pure from resentment. And the way of doing that is to acknowledge what God has done for us all the time. The prayer is not, don't pray once a year Is the day of atonement. This is not the day of atonement. You pray every day, all day. If I have tension at work, if you have tension at work, that's the time to pray. you have tension in the family, that's the time to pray. You know, uh, After we have our little pity party. When the hat and horn goes in, then we have to go home and go, you know what, I blew it again. we got to keep it fresh with the Lord. i got to keep the vertical. If I, if I lose the vertical relationship because the horizontal relationships are very challenging, and all of a sudden this relationship stops to break down because this one's are getting tough, uh-uh, we'll lose it. Yeah. Well, You can't do it. That's right. I've seen many a Christian fall apart in their relationship with God because they have a hard time with other Christians. It's a truth. It's very difficult. As a matter of fact, it's, in the ministry, this is probably the hardest thing I have to come to grasp with, unforgiveness in a Christian's heart. There's scripture that suggests that Christians can forget this daily activity of bringing these requests to God and, and keeping our heart pure from resentment and anger and judgment and criticism of the Christians. Listen to First John 1, 6-10. John says, if we say we have fellowship with him, that's God, while we walk in darkness, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit over here, so maybe you can just get the gist. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness of unforgiveness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship, he doesn't say with God, with one another. And the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, there is, sin will separate us from other, unbelie- from other believers. And we have to have a daily prayer of bringing this before God to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, cleanse us from every every. Hurt and every pain that we have towards other believers, of any kind of criticism, any kind of resentment. It's a constant, daily cleansing that we have to, otherwise, it will creep in, it will sow, it will be like uh, 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 yeast, and it will will grow and it grow and it grow and it manifests and it has all sorts of other ramifications. There's also a scripture that teaches us that unforgiveness is the devil's playground. Listen to Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. As a matter of fact, these next two scriptures, listen carefully how the devil loves this. Therefore, laying aside all falsehood, speak truth to one another with your neighbor, for we are all members of one one body. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. The devil loves unforgiveness. He only needs 24 hours. He who steals must no longer, but rather be, he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who is in need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such word is good for benediction. Edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, by whom you are blessed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be kept away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Listen to 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. Anyone whom you forgive, Paul says, I also forgive Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for you are not ignorant of his design. Just to get into a little Second Corinthians, there was someone who wronged Paul, who questioned Paul, who slandered Paul in his apostolic ministry and his call to preach and his call to, he birthed the church of Corinthians. But there was somebody there or a group of people that snuck in and, and they were pointing the finger at Paul. And this man finally repented of his sins, but they didn't want to forgive the man. And Paul says, well, be careful. I've already forgiven him. Make sure you forgive him too. Because mm-hmm. we're not unaware of Satan's schemes. Satan loves this. Mm-hmm. Satan loves unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. I've, I, as, I, as though I was there already, I've I forgiven him. You also forgive him. I know he's done you much damage because he's done damage to me. He's done damage to you. But forgive the man, his genuine repentance. Ugh. Here is the power of prayer. Let me just Prayer is our lifeline to God, our lifeline to his power. <coughs> Prayer puts in the heart a right perspective. We see as God sees. When we're specifically praying over, I'll let you this question. Does anybody in this room have difficult relationships? Sure. <laughs> a couple of honest saints. Do you have difficult relationship with other people in this room? All right. no hands. <laughs> Do you have difficult relationships with me? I know it's. I know it's me. I know you all hate me. Oh no! Do you have difficult relationships with other Christians? Have you? If you haven't, trust me. You will. Okay. It's part of being part of the local church. That's why a lot of people aren't part of the local church because they just can't stand it. But the only common denominator is themselves. They go from church to church and they don't realize it's, it's not him and them. It's, you're the only common denominator. As we enjoy our need for forgiveness and we go to God on a daily basis to forgive us our sins, we can in turn find the strength to truly forgive others from the heart. So to be set free from bitterness and wrath, those diseases of the soul that have no earthly antidote and that Satan loves to exploit. Which many Christians as we, we can easily suffer under this. It's interesting that he says, God, forgive us our sins as we forgive everybody of their debts against us, who are indebted to us. That means who owe us. I I love the word that he uses here. In Matthew, he uses debts For God, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us. But here he says our sins, forgive us our sins. But he says forgive us as we forgive those who are indebted to us. As though there is something to be paid. That someone owes something. Whether it's tangible, emotional, psychological, spiritual. Someone owes us something because they stole something from me the day they did me wrong. They're indebted to me now. It's almost like this power trip. I got you now. I heard what you said. And now you're going to pay. They're indebted to us. I, I love the wording here. Because that's the way it feels sometimes. It feels like people are indebted to us. And now we're going to rake them over the coals. Emotion. Am I missing on that? How true is that to human nature? And how true is that? I love the wording because that's what it's like. Someone owes us. Someone has done us wrong. Someone has done an injustice to me. They owe me an apology. They owe me. They owe me. They owe me. They owe me. And whether you know it or not, we, we forgive from the heart. I don't have to wait till someone knocks on my door and says, I need forgiveness. If someone ever done that, we say, Well, I already forgive application. What are we to do when people don't repent of their wrongs against us? Because Jesus makes it clear, he says, Jesus says if your brother repents, forgive him 70 times 70. Uh, what do we do? What's a Christian to do when someone really doesn't acknowledge that they've hurt us? What do we do when we might never see a person again that really did hurt us? It's not perceived. It's real. There's a real pain. What do we do? What happens if someone really even mocks us? What happens if they're glad they truly did hurt us? How do we handle that? Can we easily just forgive when someone doesn't want to be forgiven? When someone doesn't even acknowledge the wrong? The answer is yes. Is it easy? No. Is it painful? Absolutely. Will it take time? No question about it. But it doesn't mean we just put the brakes on and say, well, I'm not even going to go there. Because at this point, we're losing. It's bad enough maybe the insult hurt But now what I'm doing with it, I'm beating myself to death with it. Prayer is the only answer. It's the only answer. A full meditation that Christ died for us while we were yet his enemies. (coughs) Another question. Can we see from personal experience that unforgiveness can take an almost, will take on almost demonic dimensions? How many people have seen families ruined over business, inheritances, and other things, grudges that go back to you don't even know what the problem was to begin with. And, and you see this almost exploiting of Satan. How did this how did this get so bad? How did it just go from a disagreement to to what it is now blown so out of proportion? Could it be? That's all I can say. Did Satan get involved. As Paul says, we're not unaware of the scenes? Of course he can. Has this happened in the Christian church? Absolutely. No question about it. Absolutely no question about it. Truly, we can be angry. Our anger can be justified. But we're not to go to bed. We're not to go till the sun goes down on our we need to deal with it in our heart, not holding malice. And this takes prayer. Sometimes it takes counsel. Being wrong, there's a third application. Being wrong—there's an opportunity for God to set something right. And here's where it really involves all of us as a corporate entity. Once want you to listen. Jesus says in 1815, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, just between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now, of course, most of us know that that has to do with church discipline eventually. But before church discipline, it's supposed to be two people confronting each other and and getting into uh, the, the uncomfortable dialogue that God chooses to use to expose the wickedness in hearts, as iron sharpens iron, we get into this sort of uh, conflict resolution skills. Very uncomfortable. Many Christians avoid confrontation like the plague. God loves it. God loves confrontation. He doesn't, he doesn't like the things that lead to confrontation. But he likes when Christians can speak to each other in genuine love and concern and say, brother, I have this against you. I truly believe you hurt me in my heart. I truly believe those words were meant to hurt, or whatever it might be. That is a place where God can get to the root of so many issues in people's lives. When people try to avoid this kind of conflict resolution, and they they isolate, they shut down, they don't talk, they go to a different church, or they don't go to church no more. The problem now is maybe something did happen that was real, but at this point, it's God wants to do something deeper in everyone's heart. And one of the ways he does this is through conflict resolution. He does this when people wrong one another. He does this, He takes the messiness of our lives and brings redemption to it, and he shows us how to extend mercy the way he has extended mercy to us. We can't avoid it. We shouldn't avoid it. No matter how uncomfortable, uneasy and unnerving it makes us, we are to bring attention to each other's faults in love. That is hard. But it's a must for a healthy Christian community. It has to take place. I ask all of us to, I plead with all of us that this has to, for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel, can the kingdom of God go forth? What do you think Jesus is saying? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Daily bread. Could you imagine Jesus says, hmm, I'm not going to talk about the forgiveness part because it's going to make people uncomfortable. How can the kingdom of God, the kingdom of redemption, the kingdom of forgiveness go forth when the people who are redeemed are holding grudges against each other? But we can fall. We can fail. It's so easy for us. And the answer is the same. Deliberate, conscious prayer of God, forgive me this day sins. It's the only end. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for the forgiveness of our sins, Father God. We thank you that we can come to Christ and have our feet washed no matter how ugly they are, Father God. God, we thank you, Lord, and it's in this washing, this constant coming to you with the deepest ugliness of our heart, God, even towards others, Lord God, that you forgive us And in this place, God, of comfort and redemption, Father God, we find this newfound strength to forgive those who have hurt us, to those who are indebted to us, to those who owe us something. But yet, God, we choose to extend mercy. And we see something from your perspective that we've never seen from our earthly perspective, Father God. We've seen your justice. We've seen your redemption. We've seen your forgiveness, Father. God, I pray for everyone in this room, everyone who belongs to Sonship, everyone who can hear my voice, Father God, for all of us, that you cleanse us, Father God, from any hidden resentments and angers and this sort of people are indebted to us uh, attitude, Father God, that has crept into our lives and we don't even know it. It's just there sometimes. Husbands and wives, parents and children, Father God. It goes on, the list goes on and on, God. I just pray, God, that you set us free. As we spend quality time in prayer over our failures, you'll set us free to love those in all areas.